Well, good morning. Hope everybody's doing okay. I, we're here. That's right. <laughs> I heard that. I uh, was in the foyer out there before, and Larry and I and Lois were all comparing our sugar numbers. Like, I think I'm probably about a 170, maybe a 180. Uh, too much candy, too much goodies uh, this time of year. That'll get you. I think everybody's, uh, I think we're paying for it here this morning. But, uh, you know, before we get going here, we often like to, you know, point things out, neat little things that happen to people. And I want to uh, point out uh, somebody who uh, has worked real hard um, throughout his high school career. Uh, Always uh, tried real hard, sometimes got looked over at things, but never quit, never gave up. And I want to just have a shout out to my nephew, Trey Pence. He, uh, he made his way back into the, the starting lineup for the, the Graham wrestling team. And to break into the, I, I guess the, I don't know what they call it. They had the black team and the, I guess the varsity team. To make it to the varsity team, you got to be pretty good. You got to be real good. And he, uh, you know, he fought his way back into the lineup and had a tournament over at Fairmont. I think he went four and one, uh, did really well. Our team did great. But anyways, Trey, we, uh, you know, we appreciate you, not just for the fact you wrestle and play football, but just little things that he does. Uh, I noticed before we got started, he and people were singing and he, he took a, a hymnal over to Stan and Violin, just like, here, you just just little things like that that really define the character of a person. So, Trey, uh, we love you and we appreciate you very much. And as a church, we're, we're real proud of you. So, All right. Well, you know, humans are complex creatures, aren't we? We, you know, we tend to, uh, you know, those who we love, sometimes we tend to hurt the most and you know, we love God, but yet we, we sin against God. And, you know, we have goals and aspirations and things that we want to do, but, you know, somehow we get tripped up by our own weaknesses along the way. Um, you know, the, the old saying, you know, uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You, know, I could, you could put that on my, uh, on my headstone, maybe. You know, my friend, Todd Busher, he's an artist, very good artist. He's going to spray paint my... Uh, the vault, make it look like a Pepsi can, all the pop that I drink, all right, so, you know, we'll do that, and you know, maybe we can put that slogan on there, too, but I don't know why we do that, we, we do this all the time, we have great aspirations, and yet we sometimes, we work to mess ourselves up, one of my favorite movies is, I don't know if I should say it, Terminator 2, there's a scene in Terminator 2, where uh, the Terminator is working on the car, and there are these little kids wrestling around on the ground, and they're, they're fighting and beating each other up, and this mom grabs one kid and pulls him away, and these little kids are, eh. And uh, John Connor looks at the Terminator and says, we're not going to make it, are we? The Terminator goes, it is in your, it is in your, uh, your character to destroy yourself. Yeah, and, so people are, and I'm like, isn't that true, though, for us as people? It's just in our nature to want to destroy ourselves sometimes. And, you know, even here at Christmas time, 
Sometimes you can see the worst in people leak out. Now, I haven't seen Dustin and I get a kick out of searching for videos of, like, Black Friday Walmart people who, like, trample each other and run through the store, and you see them fighting over skids, uh, little TVs and stuff, and I know it's not something we should laugh at, but I think it's hilarious. You know, look at these people. You know, they're... We do that, though, here at Christmas time, which is supposed to be a time of, of love and fellowship and family. You know, and if we're honest, it, it is sometimes an uphill battle to keep our noses clean, you know, to keep from messing up. And, uh, but yet, you know, here we are again in another Advent season, ready for Christmas. And we're encouraged by, you know, some of the slogans, some of the things that the people talk about at Christmas time. And my daughter and I were, uh, we went to the Hobby Lobby, which is like, that, that's a horrible place if you go in there because you know it's horrible because it's like, okay, how much is going to, you know, you just, we had to get, wanted to get something to kind of, you know, spruce up the kitchen a little, make it look Christmassy. You know, just we were in the mood for, for Christmas, so we went out and Kayla got this uh, this little, it's like a plaque, not really a plaque, but something you stand up. It's the word joy written on it in gold letters, and we put that on the mantle now, and that's kind of our thing, this Christmas, joy, you know. And you think about that word joy, which is really is a part of the season for a lot of people. You know, there are a lot of great and wonderful reasons that are both historical and current in our lives that are worth celebrating. Good things that, that we need to remember. But that word joy is kind of a loaded word. There's a lot to it. It's more than just being happy. It's more than just, you know, exuberance or exaltation. I mean, it's, it's the ability to stay satisfied, to be happy even in unfortunate circumstances. Um, I, one time, uh, years ago, when my grandmother passed away, I got the, uh, she, she passed away, we were down at church camp. And uh, I heard about, I was always a mess, and ended up, I came home early to, to that, and and I remember Seth Ross, he kind of took me aside later after it was all over, and he said, you know, I really, you, you know, looked at you in that, that time and how you weren't that happy, of course, and were very sad, but you still had this, you still exhibited the joy of the Lord, that despite, you know, the circumstances, there's still hope, there's still joy to be found in those kinds of things. Now, I wasn't feeling real joyful, of course. I wasn't, wasn't too happy with God at the time. And, but anyways, you know, he was right as I think back on it. You know, joy is something that we have and can experience even in the midst of great pain, in the midst of, of sorrow. You, know, you think about that word, and, you know, joy and Christmas, they do kind of go together. But that word joy is something really to be reckoned with. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 1. We're going to kind of look at the, uh, some of the Christmas story here. Luke chapter 1. And we'll start at verse 26, which is where Jesus' birth is going to be predicted. You know, the angel is going to tell him. 
Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Remember, Gabriel is kind of God's messenger. Whenever something important was supposed to happen, Gabriel was the one who was entrusted with the message. You go tell this person. You go take care of this. Anyways, verse 27, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now that would scare me to death. If you've read other parts of the Bible, and you've probably heard me say this before, angels typically show up uh, in glory, and you know, people, you know, they fall down on the ground, and they, you know, they're scared, and they just... It would be quite a moment. But all of a sudden, here's this little girl, Mary. She's not a woman. She's a little girl, probably 12, 13, just a kid. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Wouldn't you like to have an angel or somebody tell you that? just want you to know, you found favor with God. Wow. No pressure, Mary. <laughs> you know, you, it, verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? The, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Verse 39, Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice, saying, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. You know, there's a lot of Comforting things in that passage that I, that I find. Very comforting, and yet some of it can be rather, rather shocking. Some of the things that it proclaims. There's a lot of things going on in here, and yet, you know, we think about God and what He does for us. But here in, the, in this particular moment, God is going to break through their reality and become part of it in a real tangible sense. 
It always kind of frustrates me. It seems like there's always something separating me and, and God. You know, if I want God to bless me, He usually does it through other people. And so I, I deal with other people and, you know, I, a lot of the blessings that come through there. But, you know, many times I, I, I believe God was responsible for certain blessings. And I really wish, you know, I could have just went directly to God there. Let's cut out the middleman. Here in this family, you know, God has cut out the middleman, unless you count an angel as something normal. I mean, this is God showing up in a big way, breaking into their reality. You know, a lot of times in our lives, we often don't expect God to do that, to actually break in to our reality, to where we really are. Now, it's shocking, this passage, in that, you know, out of nowhere, God's saying, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Because, like I said, many times people experience God working, but it's often through the love of another person, the love of a church, um, those types of things. It's almost as if in this situation God said, hold on, I got this one. You know, this is, this is me. And there's something very important and, and interesting about this, this story, because this isn't just for Mary. This isn't just to bless Mary. He didn't just bless Elizabeth. This was a blessing, something that was going to affect everybody, all people, not just them. You know, I can accept that, you know, God may come to me you know, if I'm in the hospital, somebody may come and visit me. You know, a pastor who might go and, and, and help somebody. I still, probably one of my greatest memories of this doing the lay pastorship was the night I went in to see, I think it was, uh, I forget who it was. But I was on the way up to, the, uh, to, to their room, and there was this gal in this other room, and she's like, hey, you the preacher? I, was, I had my Bible, and, she's, and I said, well, I'm going up to see somebody from our church. You're, you're a preacher. Come in here. So I went in there, and, and this gal, she had me pray for her legs. And the nurse was there. The nurse was trying to get her to follow directions and do something. She's like, I ain't doing nothing until the preacher prays for my legs. And so she, I had to put my hands on her legs and start praying and, and did the whole thing, and I'm like, Whatever, if it, if it blesses you, I'm all for it. Go, you know. I'll never forget, that was great. I'll get that. But at the same time, it's almost as if God is still being kept at a safe distance. You know, if I got problems with my legs, I'll pray to God, please help me, you know. But still, usually it's through somebody else, and there's this in-between, between me and God. And just once, I'd like for God to come on the scene and say, I don't need anybody else. I don't need to use anybody else for this. This is me and you. Let me, let me bless you. Let me do my thing. What I, the plans that I have for you. You know, this passage is kind of shocking in the sense that here you have uh, God showing up, using this angel, breaking into this family, to 
telling this poor little girl here, look, you're going to not only have a son, you're going to have the Son of God. You're going to have the Son of God, and He's going to be great, and He's going to be the, the Son of the Most High. And He'll even, you know, He'll take the, the throne of, of David, and it's going to be, you know, you can't even imagine. And Mary's like, I'm, I'm just a kid. I'm a virgin. How can this be, you know? And it's as if God said, you know what, I'm going to do something for everybody. Everybody. Through you. I don't need an intermediary. I don't need a, a priest. I don't need a pastor. I don't need a, this. I'm going to do this myself for you. And you know, there are many times in the Bible where there are miracles, and you know, whether you choose to believe in miracles or not, or... You try to find the science behind it. Could it actually happen? Whatever. Those things always seem to benefit one person or one group of people. What happened at Christmas when this angel came to Mary and said, you're going to be with child. You're going to have the Son of God. This isn't just for you. This is for everybody. It's as if God said, look, I'm going to bless the entire world, all of you, everybody, all of you, whoever lived, who's lived, this is for all of you. This miracle, this son that I'm going to give to the world for you, to save all of you. You know, so we really think about this, this word joy. You know, what it really calls us to think about, you know, this time of the season. You know, what does God say to us in this, this special time of the year that, you know, it's funny, it's a time of the year when it's the darkest outside. Now, in reality, we know that Jesus probably was not born on December 25th. Okay, if you look at the clues left in the, the gospel accounts, uh, the shepherds in the field, uh, all the things, that, that would be springtime. Okay, so, but we celebrate it here, and we can get into the, the whole background of Christmas and stuff, but, you know, the point is, you know, here at this time, for us, you wake up, it's dark, go to work, still dark, come home from work, Dark again, you know, just like dark, dark, dark all the time. And yet in this time, it's, it's, it's as if God is saying now is when I want to get your attention the most. Let's turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. We'll just jump ahead a little bit. And uh, speaking of shepherds, and when we're talking about joy and consider this word joy and how kind of shocking this whole event could be. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In that same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great, what? Joy. Which will be for all the people. 
I'm about to bring something that will cause great joy. Not just for you, not just for you shepherds out here. I'm not going to do a trick just so you can be entertained. I didn't bless just Mary and, and Joseph, and I didn't you know, help Elizabeth out just, just for their sake. All of this is done for a specific reason. I'm about to bring into this world the Son of God, my Son. And it will bring joy. Not just to them, not just to the shepherds, not just to the, but to all mankind. It's great news of great joy which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is well pleased. And the angels sang and rocked out and did their thing. And I love that idea, this good news of, of great joy for all of us. There's something in the message about Christmas that's universal. It really is for everyone. It's not all information about bad things like you find in the evening news. And, and you know, It's interesting how uh, the only news that really sells is bad news. Good news doesn't last very long. There have been attempts by networks and groups to create uh, papers and magazines and Television programming based on just good news. All of them, very quickly, go bust. <laughs> There's no money in that. All the money is in the bad news. Uh, you know, something bad happens, every news station around, they got to bring their satellite truck in, and they're all down there asking dumb questions to people. I remember Sandy Hook, which was uh, six or seven years ago. The anniversary was just the other day. And here we have all those children who were, were murdered in that school. And then you have people asking questions. So how does, how does, this, how does this make you feel? <laughs> what kind of question is that? <laughs> what would you like to say? To, come on. Stirring up the bad news, because people like that. They like to stew in that. This is good news. This is good news that despite the ratings and despite the people's uh, propensity to love things that are filled with drama and tragedy, this is good news for everybody that will last for all time. You know, there's not a lot of things in life that we all have equal access to. Some of you have more money than me. I have more money than some of you. Some of you have power and authority at a job. I'm a peon at my job. Some of you, I mean, and you look around the world, and I try to do this with my kids at school, try not to just think of, especially when we do sociology and stuff. Don't just think of the world as being like America. I got news for you, gang. 
Almost all of the world is not like America. It's very difficult for kids today to try to visualize and understand what it's like to live in some of these other countries. You know, most countries, eating one meal a day, that's the norm. Something as extravagant as entertainment, uh, that, that stuff doesn't exist. I stole a line years ago. I was, um, ah, was in that dumb show. <laughs> My cultural thing is messed up. Oh, Boy Meets World, I think it was. Is that the one with Mr. Feeney? Anybody know who Mr. Feeney was? Mr. Feeney's up there. He's given one of his speeches, you know, one of those moral lessons, and he was yelling at the kids about, you know what, kids? When Gutenberg created the, the Bible... In the printed word, people thirsted for a new book every six months. And now you get a new web page every six seconds. You think about how blessed we are, how much we have, and it's unbelievable. It's very difficult for kids sometimes to understand that most of the people in the world are underfed, malnourished, that there are many, many people in the world, their cause of death is not Big Macs, fries, smoking, cancers, and, and you know, lifestyle-related things that tend to plague Americans. There are many people in the world, their cause of death for most of the people is parasites and disease. I can't name one person that I've ever known that died because they had uh, their, their intestines were clogged up with tapeworms or pinworms. But yet, in the world, there are millions of people who die because of those types of things. The world is a very unequal place. I wish it wasn't so. And I'm thankful I live in the country that I live in. I'm not apologizing for that. I'm thankful that I've got probably too much to eat, that I have too many clothes, that I live in a house that I really don't deserve. I'm thankful for that, but I can't help but wonder, why is it that we live in a world where there is such inequality? And yet, at Christmas time, in this statement of what Jesus, his birth means, and what God did for everyone. This is something that God said, look, there are going to be a lot of inequalities in life. It's not fair. But I'm going to give you this one thing, this one thing that is equal for all of you, for everybody. You're all equal in this. I'm giving you the creation of the Messiah, of my son, so that he would come into the world and that through him you would know me and and." He would save you. Be the savior of, of everyone. And I just love that. This idea that there's something very good in that news. Good news, like I say, it doesn't sell very well. But this is good news. Something we want to hear. Something we want to know about. Maybe something you'd even want to tell your friends about. And it's news of great joy. And it's worthy of our attention. It's worth stopping to hear. It's good. 
It's about something that will bring great joy. And it's for you, and it's for me, and it's for her, and it's for him, and it's for you, and, and it's for all of us. You know, this joy is a very generous joy. Uh, this joy about the great news of Christ's coming. You know, it's so good, sometimes it makes me shift my eyes from my needs to the needs of somebody else. I got to, uh, there was a kid at school this week, didn't have the money to go on a trip, so I paid the bill. Sorry, dear, you, you'll, you'll get the check later. Anyways, uh, it got paid, and uh, the kid was just over the moon. My only request to her advisor was, I don't want her to know who gave it to her. Just Santa Claus did it or something. The kid was just, uh. But I could only help one kid. There are other kids that need help. But I look at what God did, the way he blessed all of us through this gift at Christmas time. This gift that brings great joy. You know, things happen to all of us. We get sad, bad things happen, we get abused, things people take advantage of us. You might get sick. Those things are not very fun. I don't find myself longing for those things. I don't like it when I get sick. I don't like it when relatives get sick and, and or tragedy strikes. But I can look at this at what happened at Christmas time, and it makes me to lift my eyes up to God in thanksgiving that this is a great gift given to all people equally. Doesn't matter if you're rich, you're poor, you're healthy, you're weak. It's for everyone. And it calls all of us to come to God. And I think... You know, this idea of, of God coming and doing something for me, just me and God, through His Son, Jesus. You know, if you come to church a lot, you've got an idea of what faith is about. You know, you kind of grow up, and you know, I, most of my friends are atheists, and um, you know, my dad, for most of his life, was an atheist, so he got turned around. Uh, and uh, just unbelievable how God has used him. And so in our own house, you know, here I, I have mom, you know, we're wanting to say grace, and dad's just sitting there like, I'm hungry, let's eat, you know, let's get this going. So you got two, two sides of that going. But here's something that, that is given to us that, that kind of, you know, transcends all of those things. We know who Jesus is. We know that he's the Son of God, revealed to us, given to us, so that we might know who the Father is through him. That he would come and be not just the Messiah of the Jewish people, but the Messiah of all, all of us. He'll defeat death. He triumphed over the grave, and all our hope and purpose and love are all bound up within his life, that gift given to all of us. So this joy of this season, it's an invitation to something that, that goes beyond your present circumstances. 
Some of you are sick. I looked at the, the prayer list. There's a lot of things on here. But even though you might be feeling those things, you can still find joy. Joy in the fact that Jesus came and that he lived and that he's coming again to be the king. You know, the gospel's real. It's not really, it's not fiction. It's the most important truth there is. And it causes us to commit our lives to this Christ child through whom we celebrate this season. You know, it's more than just a call to believe. It's a, it's a call to share that news to other people. It's not just about going home and saying, oh, I'm so glad Jesus came. It's about, wow, he really came. i got to go tell somebody. It's so much more than just a, a call to believe. One of the things I teach the kids, it's real tricky sometimes at school, being a Christian, and I teach history, you know, how much of my personal religious beliefs do I allow to get into the, to what we're talking about? Being in, uh, of course, it's a public school through the state of Ohio. I'm not really supposed to share the gospel, okay? Uh, separation of church and state. Schools are legally a part of the state. Therefore, you've got to be careful with that. But... Because I teach history, I can always sneak stuff in there. And, and I'd say, well, this is historical. You, you know. And so uh, one of the theories about God that we talk about during the time of the Enlightenment is this idea that God was a, like a cosmic clockmaker. And to the philosophers or those who believed in the Enlightenment, uh, God uh, probably started the universe, but... He's like a clockmaker. He creates this great universe, and he then there he gets it all like a clockmaker, building his his clock and all the little parts, and then he wound it up, and boom, he lets it go, and that's it. What's a clockmaker do after he gets the clock started? He doesn't do anything. He just looks at it. You're not supposed to touch it. Leave it alone. And for many people, that's how they view God. Oh, there's a God. He started it all, but. He's hands off. He's like a clockmaker. He just he sits back and watches his creation run like a clockmaker would do and you know, just just kind of watch it there. I'm I'm happy and I believe my God is not like a clockmaker. He's constantly involved in the the dealings of people from day to day. You know that the Christmas story is a call to expect God, expect him to show up. To expect that God, God does reach into human history. And therefore, he can reach into your history. Into your life. To be with you. I love the Christmas season in that I'm reminded that no matter what happens, God's gift is for everyone. It's for everybody all of us, equally. And that that gift can never be taken away. It never dies. It never floats off. But it's there for all time, for all people. And no matter what circumstances I find myself in, that you find yourselves in, you can always look back and say, but God gave me His Son. And in that, there's 
immense joy. A joy that's for all the people, for all time. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, thank you for this day. I thank you once again for the privilege of sharing from the Bible. And God, I, I pray for this church as we move into the Christmas season that you would bless them, that you would help us all to be mindful of the great joy that this is supposed to bring to all of us. Help us to share that joy, that good news to all the people. Father, we love you today in Jesus' name. Amen.